Good morning. As Father Pete said, my name is Father Greg Ames, and I want to thank Father Pete for the invitation to do a parish mission with you here at St. John's in Buffalo. Um, it's very exciting for me. I've never done a mission in the Pentecost season and the Easter season either. Normally they are in Advent and in Lent, and then our missions usually are about healing and reconciliation and sin. So I'm going to be able to give a parish mission about joy and resurrection and hope. That's a whole new experience for me. So uh, let's pray together that it's successful. I, um, by way of introduction, wanted to tell you that I do have a little history with Wyoming. Back almost 40 years ago now, I was a seminarian for Bishop Hart, and I studied for the Diocese of Cheyenne for seven years before I got ordained. And then I decided close to my ordination I needed to move a little closer to my parents and my family in Denver, so I changed dioceses. And I told Father Pete last night, I think I'm paying my debt to the Diocese of Cheyenne. Finally, after 35 years, I'm doing a little work for Cheyenne, and that's good for me. I um, also gave my very first homily in Sundance, Wyoming, on Good Friday, which happened to be April Fool's Day. And that's the last time I've preached in the diocese, so I think today I hope I have a little bit more success, I, I suspect, with the Gospels. The mission that we're going to share together is really exciting because it is about the season of Easter and Pentecost. And, of course, it's a season of great joy in the church's history and in the church's life because it's really when we celebrate who we are as a church. As I was driving up here yesterday with my folks, I was just stunned by the beauty of the mountains. We got a foot of snow in Denver two days ago, and the mountains were just caked with snow. There was tons of snow on the Front Range. And of course, the prairies all the way up here to Buffalo are turning green in springtime. And it was very inspiring, and I thought, what a beautiful uh, scenery to experience the Easter season in. I love to tell stories. And as I was driving, I was thinking about the story I would like to begin our mission with. And I remembered a story about a little girl named Molly. Molly had a good life. She was eight years old. And as she thought about her long life, she realized that she had everything her heart desired, except for one little problem. She had two older brothers, and she suspected they were the guys that we heard about in the first reading. They were demonic. She was convinced they were a little possessed because those two older brothers gave her a really rough time. It was the only difficult thing in Molly's life. What made it especially difficult for this little girl is that every year her brothers and her mom and dad would hike a mountain and Molly never got to go along. And her brothers assured her it was because she was a girl and because she was so young. And that just made Molly mad, as you can imagine. And then one day, her father came to her and said, Molly, eight years old is old enough to hike a mountain with us, so you get to go along. And Molly was thrilled. But she quickly discovered that hiking a 14,000-foot mountain is no easy endeavor. She wasn't about to complain, however, because she knew the demons would give her a difficult time. So she just bit her lip, and she toughed it out, and she finally, at the end of the day, made it to the top of the Continental Divide. As they sat down to eat a little lunch, her and her family and her demonic brothers, they realized it was starting to get stormy and they had to eat quickly. 
And as they sat there for a moment, her father explained to Molly what the Continental Divide is. And he pointed out a very shallow pool of water that was lying there right on the Continental Divide. And he said, you see the water that's flowing out the east side of that pool? He said, that water is going to flow to the Missouri River, to the Mississippi, to the Gulf of Mexico, and finally to the Atlantic Ocean. And then he pointed out another little tiny trickle of water flowing west. And he said, that water is going to flow all the way to the Colorado River and to the Pacific. Well, Molly was fascinated by that. She couldn't believe that God was filling the oceans from that spot on that high mountain. Her family packed up their lunch and they quickly left and they were distracted by the storm that was approaching and they didn't notice when they left that Molly didn't follow them. They got a little ways down the mountain when they realized she was absent and turned around and they quickly ran back to the top of the mountain and they couldn't believe what they saw. There was Molly lying on her stomach right by that pool of water with both her hands in the water that was flowing to the east. It was freezing cold. It was about to rain. And her father immediately pulled her, this little girl, up and said, What are you doing? And she looked at him with great faith and she said, Daddy, God wanted me to help him fill the Pacific Ocean a little fuller. <laughs> well, it converted her demonic brothers. It changed her father's heart. And her mother smiled with pleasure because they realized that a little girl at eight years old that understood she had the potential to help God fill the Pacific Ocean was a remarkable little girl. And then on the way back, her brothers helped her the entire way, impressed at their little sister's faith. I share that story with you because really it's the theme of our mission and the readings today. In the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, we hear about that early church. And it was an early church that was very similar to Molly's family. It had all the elements of all of our lives. It had demons, people possessed, people that were sometimes crippled, people that were sometimes struggling in their faith. And in that story, it had the call to all of us to go the distance, to climb the mountain, to reach our potential, and to minister to God. How many of us have ever thought about ministering to God? I suspect normally we don't think of God that way. We expect God to minister to us, don't we? In our prayer, in our petition, we are always pleading with God to give us something to help us in our difficulties, to convert the demons who sometimes surround us, to save us if we're crippled or um, in any kind of health crisis. But really, what God is telling us in the readings today is that our hope comes in Jesus and that what he expects of you and I is to follow Jesus to find that hope and eventually to minister to God. In the second re, um, Eucharistic prayer that very often is um, prayed at Mass, it's a prayer written by Hippolytus in the second century. Hippolytus wrote in the prayer, Lord, we are grateful that we can stand in your presence and minister to you. How do we minister to God? That's the question that I hope I can speak about a little bit on our mission. To minister to God first means we have to tap in to the source 
of grace. What is grace? On Monday night, tomorrow, I'll speak about grace a little bit. We know a few things about grace, don't we? And what we're most familiar with about grace is that it's amazing. Have you ever heard that? Amazing grace? But why is it amazing? Where is grace? Someone once said to me, to understand grace and to explain grace would be like asking a fish to explain water. When you're surrounded with it and swimming in it, it's very difficult to identify exactly what it is. But in our lives as Christians, if we do not understand grace and we don't know how to tap into it, then we're left to our own accord and our own power. We have to hike that mountain all by ourselves. We can't draw on the strength that comes from grace. And we can never minister to God. We can never find hope, as the second reading calls us to. We can never really know where Jesus is at work in our lives. And most importantly, we will find it impossible to love one another as the gospel calls us to. Because without grace, loving those demon brothers in our life, those people that seem to be possessed, that discourage us, that talk us down and do not support us, would be impossible. Left to our own accord, I don't think love really is possible. But when we tap into the source of grace, we have this amazing ability to love even those who seem so unlovable. For the last five years of my life, I've been working with the homeless. I began working with them in the South Bronx of New York with Father Benedict Groeschel. I think many of you might be familiar with him. We became very good friends, and Father Benedict often said to me, working with the homeless will be the greatest challenge of your priestly life because they're homeless for a reason. They're homeless because they have become unlovable. One of my homeless friends said, the only difference between you and I, Father, is that you still have friends with couches. I've lost all my friends with couches, he said. And the reason he lost all his friends with couches is because he no longer knew where grace was, and he found it very difficult to love and be loved. So I'll speak to you a little bit on the mission about the homeless and how they really witnessed to me what life looks like when we lose grace. It's like a fish out of water. Where is grace? Well, on Tuesday, I'll talk a little bit about how to find it. And I think that what we need to do to really discover grace is tap into the amazing gifts that Jesus promised us when he said in the gospel today, I will send you an advocate to be with you always. And we all know as Catholic Christians that that advocate, the Holy Spirit, which was sent to us on Pentecost, brought with him seven amazing gifts. And so Tuesday night I'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It'll be a little bit of a review for those of you who are newly confirmed, and maybe for those of us who are a little older, it will be an important review. Because using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we discover grace in our life. And when we discover grace, as I said, we begin to minister to God. And when we minister to God by loving each other, we become a community. And Pentecost, as we know, is the birthday of the church. The church is born in the world through grace 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And on Wednesday night, I'll talk to you a little bit about what it means to be a church, to be Catholic, to celebrate Mass and the sacraments. And I'll celebrate Mass with you on Wednesday night, and we will celebrate together the gifts of grace, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the conversion of the demons, and our accomplishment of getting to the mountaintop and helping God fill the Pacific Ocean. When you and I can realize that is what we're called to do, then we also will realize this. We have amazing gifts in our own life, and we have the potential to change the world in which we live. And finally today, I think in order to change the world, we need to be well-fed, don't you? I put this freshly baked loaf of bread up here this morning. Father Pete almost took a bite out of it. And I have to tell you, I would love someone this morning to take that loaf of bread while it's still fresh and enjoy it with your family. But be careful. There will be a freshly baked loaf of bread here at every one of my talks. You're welcome to take it if you would like to. But it's very, very dangerous bread. And I'll tell you why on Wednesday. <laughs>